It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, February 2nd, 2024. You know what that means. It's Groundhog's Day. That's right. I'm happy to report that earlier this morning, the groundhog came out of his stump and saw Josh Mankiewicz, which means we have six more weeks of true crime. I'll be right back with today's top stories. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Author Renner. James Renner on. That James Renner has zeroed in on. James Renner once again drops a bombshell. Investigative James journalist Renner. reporter James Renner, who's been James on the podcast Renner. a long time. Right. And welcome back to True Crime This Week with me, James Renner. There's the James Renner bell. Hey, um, uh, the second episode of Synth Sleuths premiered this past week, and it's about the Maura Murray case. Uh, Maura Murray's disappearance uh, enters the 20th year. The 20th anniversary of her disappearance is this next week. February 9th. So if you haven't had a chance yet, go over to Synth Sleuths. My other weekly podcast comes out on Tuesday mornings. Check it out. It's me and an AI named Sky delving into cold cases and also talking a little bit about uh, consciousness and the capabilities of AI. It's, it's kind of techy, kind of nerdy, but if you like that stuff, check it out. Um, but hey, we're, we're not here to talk about Synth Sleuths. We're here to talk about the week's top true crime stories. We're going to get to them. But as always, I want to thank Walter uh, for manning the camera. Walter's just back from spending 1,000 years stuck in a time loop in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here, Walter. Over to top stories. Um, no doubt about it, uh, this is the top story this week, and it is it's one of those true crime stories that, like, you almost wish you didn't know about. It's it's that gruesome, but I got to talk about it. Um, it has some implications uh, for social media and how to regulate it and things like that. It's one of those cases that's going to be in the news for weeks to come. So let's talk about it. On Tuesday night, police in Middleton, Pennsylvania, discovered a gruesome crime scene inside a suburban home. In the bathroom, they found the decapitated body of 68-year-old Michael Mohn, M-O-H-N, Mohn, a retired, a retired civil engineer with the Army Corps of Engineers. Police say the killer used a machete and a large kitchen knife that was found in a bathtub. 
to uh, remove the head from the body. Uh, Michael's head was later found in a large cooking pot inside the home. It didn't take police long to find a good suspect, though. Uh, by then, Michael's 32-year-old son, Justin, had posted a 14-minute video on YouTube during which he held up what appeared to be his father's head wrapped in plastic, according to an in-depth article from The Morning Call. In the video, Justin rants about woke culture and the far left and calls for the execution of all federal workers. The video was up for about five hours. It was up on YouTube for five hours and logged about 6,000 views before it was finally taken down. Police arrested Justin about 100 miles away from this house on Wednesday. He was near a uh, military base, actually. Uh, we don't know much details about why he was there or if it had anything to do with that, that nearby base. Since then, we've learned a bit more about Justin and his possible misguided vendetta. Uh, he had apparently published several manifestos on Amazon and tried publishing music as well, but he never garnered much of an audience. Recently, Justin was having trouble paying back student loans to the federal government, and in 2022, he filed a lawsuit against the Department of Education, arguing that since his degree from Penn State didn't result in a decent job, he shouldn't have to pay back that loan. That case was dismissed. Obviously, that angered him. This, uh, this whole thing is one of the worst crimes I've ever covered on this show. I don't want to make light of it. Clearly, there's a mental health component to this as well, right? But if Justin was truly upset about that predatory student loan, he didn't do enough research. If, if the woke left is the one he's angry about, uh, he... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's also the left that wants to forgive those debts and alleviate some of this pressure that we put on new graduates. In fact, I think in the end, his story may go a long way to addressing the insanity of this loan system that we have with uh, greater and, and further education in the United States. Uh, but that will be bitter comfort for a young man who will likely spend the rest of his life in prison. The next WWE SmackDown is likely to play out in federal court. World Wrestling Entertainment founder Vince McMahon is accused of sexual assault and trafficking in a new lawsuit filed by a former employee, according to Vice.com. The lawsuit was filed by Janelle Grant, who, according to court filings, lived in the same building as McMahon in 2019 when a chance encounter ended with him offering her to come work for him. During their meetings, ostensibly in this apartment building, he would often greet her in his underwear and then begin to touch her. McMahon is alleged to have hired uh, this woman, Grant, in an administrative role within the WWE, and he later moved her to the talent department there. Grant says she felt pressured to have sex with McMahon in order to keep her job and that the sex progressed to more of a trafficking situation fairly quickly. How does that work? Well, we're going to go into that a little bit. Specifically, she says that McMahon recruited other people in his company to have sex with her. 
and that he would request threesomes with her and other men, and on at least one occasion, defecated on her during the act. The suit goes into much more graphic detail than I'm going to give here, uh, if you can imagine what that could possibly be. After the lawsuit was made public, McMahon immediately resigned from the WWE, which had recently signed a deal for streaming on Netflix. I'm sure that had a lot to do with his quick resignation. Anyway, the only thing that's less believable than WWE wrestling will be McMahon's defense when the lawsuit goes to trial. The United States justice system has a serious problem. The companies that supply the chemicals they use for lethal injection executions won't sell them any more product because they don't want to be associated with, you know, sanctioned murder. So the states are looking for cheap alternatives to the, what they usually inject into these people's veins. And so last week, Alabama used a brand new, untested method to kill a man on death row. That would be nitrogen gas. A small group of witnesses observed the execution of Kenneth Smith last Thursday night. Smith was convicted in the 1988 stabbing death of Elizabeth Sennett. Her husband had hired Smith to kill her. And Smith had already survived a failed execution in November 2022 after executioners could not access a vein in his arm in order to deliver the poison. Prison officials said the nitrogen gas administered through a mask, kind of like what you wear in the dentist when you're getting your cavities done, would render him unconscious in seconds before quietly killing him. Of course, that's not what happened. According to an in-depth account in the New York Times, which I'll link in the liner notes of this podcast, witnesses watched as Smith struggled on the gurney, gasping for air. He began to, to convulse and his whole body was shaking. It took Smith 22 torturous minutes to die. Afterward, John Hamm, the commissioner of Alabama's prison system, said Smith was actually the one at fault because he tried to hold his breath, as you would do if you're being executed by gas. Legislators of my home state, Ohio, are considering switching to nitrogen gas following the, quote, success of Alabama's experiment last week. By the way, not for nothing, the United States is the last free country to embrace the death penalty and all of its failures. It puts us in the unsavory company of such countries as Iran, Saudi Arabia, and North Korea. What are we doing on that list? Um, those are the top stories of the first week of February 2024. I've got lots more coming up after the break. We've got cold case updates. The last victim of the Green River, the Green River Killer has been identified. You're going to want to hear this. And we got to get into the Jennifer Crumbly case. It is quite a mess. All this and more. I'll be back in two and two. Please hang up and try again. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're back with My Secret Identity, starring Jerry O'Connell. Some cold case updates for you. Some more info has trickled in slowly this week concerning those three men who were found frozen to death in a friend's backyard following a Kansas City Chiefs watch party. The bodies of David Harrington, Ricky Johnson, and Clayton McGinney were found in the backyard of their friend Jordan Willis's house, and now Willis has checked himself into rehab, according to TMZ. A cousin of one of the victims says Willis was called by his friends, quote, the chemist, and was known to make and sell drugs in high school. He apparently, allegedly, was experimenting with the different things to get you high. Uh, police are n not treating, they are not treating this investigation as a homicide, and Willis has not been arrested, dot, 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 ellipses, yet. But uh, keep a close eye on that story as it develops. The last unknown victim of the Green River serial killer has finally been identified, according to the Seattle Times. Our friends over at Othram helped to finally put a name to the remains of the last of Gary Ridgway's unknown victims. Now, uh, the Porchlight Project, my nonprofit that raises money for cold cases in Ohio for genetic genealogy and DNA testing, we work with Othram a lot. Uh, the CEO, David Middleman, is a friend of mine. Really cool guy. Um, they do a lot of great work, so it's always cool to see their name 
associated with these uh, these these huge cases that they're closing pretty much every other week. So this is a big one. Last of uh, the, the Green River Killers victims, they were able to extract DNA from a degraded sample and use genetic genealogy to identify the remains as those of Tammy Lillies, who was 16 years old when she disappeared from downtown Seattle in 1983. Ridgway apparently didn't know her name, but in 2003, he helped, uh, he actually led police to the site where he dumped her body, and police were able to recover several bones in her teeth, which were then used for DNA. So nice work, guys. Uh, uh, we should have some more info about another case with the Porchlight Project here very soon. How's that for a teaser? Every year, thousands of people flock to Times Square in New York City to watch the glittery ball drop on Times Square. It's kind of like a modern-day pilgrimage. You have to go there at least once. And to ring in 1987, uh, Jean and Rene Casa flew from France to New York to see the festivities. But while walking through Midtown, they were mugged. Mr. Casa was thrown to the ground. He was 71 years old, and unfortunately he died from his injuries, according to the New York Times. Police promptly arrested two young black men for the crime, 19-year-old Eric Smokes and 16-year-old David Warren. And for four decades, they've remained behind bars. Until this week, when their convictions were overturned. Why? Because a new investigation led by the Post-Conviction Justice Unit in New York found something rather unsettling. The lead witness in the case admitted to making up his statement that tied the men to the murder because he thought he might be arrested for it himself. And now that witness is the real chief suspect. On their way out of court, the men told the judge, actually the, on their way out, the judge you know, kind of paused everything and told the men that they could leave with their heads held high, knowing they were not criminals. To which Warren leaned into a microphone and said, we never were. And everybody applauded. And for once there was kind of a happy ending in a true crime story. Enjoy your freedom. Uh, a lot has changed since 1987. They're coming into a very different world. Is anybody else watching this Jennifer Crumbly trial? This story is an absolute mess. Let me get you up to speed. On November 30th, 2021, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly used a 9mm handgun to murder four students at Oxford High School outside Detroit. He was sentenced to life in prison, but now his parents are on trial for giving him the gun he used in his spree killing. This is kind of the first of its kind and the sort of thing I like to see. Uh, you know, you're dealing with teenagers who have access to guns. Who gave them access? Generally, it's the parents, somebody they know that should also be on the hook for these terrible spree killings. Now, a lot has come out in this trial this week. For one, school administrators called Ethan's parents to school that day because they'd found drawings by Ethan that, that showed a gun and there were some alarming comments. But everybody decided he could stay in school for the remainder of the day. Nobody searched his backpack. Everybody failed this kid. Ethan's mother, Jennifer, is facing four counts of involuntary manslaughter. 
at court this week, it was revealed she had been having an affair with a local fireman and that she and her husband had emptied her son's bank account on the day of the murders and then went on the run. And uh, they were taking Xanax by the handful to deal with the stress of it all. And to add extra drama to the trial, prosecutors entered several texts into evidence that showed that Jennifer's son believed he saw a demon in their house shortly before the shootings. Ethan and a friend had allegedly messed around with a Ouija board during a sleepover. Yes, this is a real court case. Uh, Ethan also had a cat named Dexter. Interesting. Anyway, just before the shootings, Ethan wrote alarming messages in the margins of a math worksheet that included, quote, blood everywhere and, quote, the thoughts won't stop, end quote. Uh, there's only one thing that's clear in this whole story, and I've said it before, everybody, everybody failed this kid. There were, there were about 10 different times that they could have put a stop to this, got the kid help. Uh, everybody just kept going forward, and, uh, and this kid uh, did what he said he was going to do. Let's jump over to weird news, shall we? A Target employee was sentenced to 100 years in prison this week for stabbing a man to death for, wait for it, stealing his lunch. In April 2021, 25-year-old Bazin Bear jumped 58-year-old store janitor Herman Liva in the parking lot of the store and killed him with knives and a hammer, according to the New York Post. At his sentencing this week in Fairfax County, Virginia, Bear told the judge he'd kill more people if he didn't get the harshest possible sentence. The judge obliged, And if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Label your food, people. Label your food. Over to pop culture. Uh, the, there's a new true crime documentary coming out on Max, formerly HBO, uh, on February 15th. You got to check it out. I, I haven't been this excited about a true crime documentary in a long time. This is going to be, this is going to be a good one. Um, it's called The Truth About Jim. Here's the write-up. Amateur investigator Sierra Barter confronts a traumatic past and secrets that have plagued her family for generations. Sierra, her mother Shannon, and her grandmother Judy bravely pursue the truth about a mystery that could change their lives forever. Was Jim Mordecai, their husband, stepfather, and step-grandfather, a notorious serial killer? Now, um, I'm going to say the answer is yes, uh, but I've only seen the trailer. But, but it, it seems pretty damning. Um, this, this guy, uh, Jim Mordecai, uh, was, a, was a bad man. And what comes out early on is the abuse and the sadistic things that he was doing inside his own family. And then they begin to wonder if maybe he's done this to other people. And uh, spoiler alert, you're going to see this in the trailer anyways. It looks like they're trying to tie him into the Zodiac killings. There does seem to be a resemblance. Uh, anyways, I got goosebumps watching the trailer. I think this is going to be a solid true crime thriller. I also think it's going to make a uh, household name out of Sierra Barter. Uh, after it's all done with. So check that out. The Truth About Jim. And for the book this week, this is an older book in the true crime genre, 
but it's rising the charts again. And when you see this in the end of January, early February, it means that this is probably on the syllabi of <laughs> some colleges that are teaching true crime writing. But um, this is how I found out about it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Uh, the book is called No Angel by Jay Dobbins, and uh, here's the write-up. Getting shot in the chest as a rookie agent, bartering for machine guns, throttling down the highway at 100 miles an hour, and responding to a full-scale bloody riot between Hell's Angels and their rivals, the Mongols. These are just a few of the high-adrenaline experiences Dobbins recounts in this action-packed, hard-to-imagine-but-true story. Dobbins leaves no stone of his harrowing journey unturned. At runs and clubhouses, between rides and riots, Dobbins befriends badass bikers, meth-fueled old ladies, gun fetishists, psycho killer ex-cons, and even some of the filthy few, the elite of the Hells Angels who've committed extreme violence on behalf of their club. Eventually, as parties staged behind heavily armed security, he meets legendary club members such as Chuck Zito, Johnny Angel, and the godfather of all bikers, Ralph Barger, also known as Sonny. I don't think he was too Sonny, though. To blend in with them, he gets full arm ink. To win their respect, he vows to prove himself a stone-cold uh, killer. Hardest of all is leading a double life, which has him torn between his devotion to his wife and children and his pledge to become the first federal agent ever to be fully patched into the Angel's near-impregnable ranks. His act is so convincing that he comes within a hair's breadth of losing himself. Eventually, he realizes that just as he's been infiltrating the Hells Angels, they've been infiltrating him. And just as they're not all bad, he's not all good. I like uh, an anti-hero. I'm going to check that out. No Angel by Jay Dobbins. And that's the that's the show for this week. Um, it's the weekend now. Go out and enjoy it. Do something fun. And uh, we'll get into next week. We'll see what comes. And as always, um, in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, we got to, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog.